We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Michigan. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. Hornets fans, welcome back to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie. Please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. Also, check out BuzzBeat.com. Dot substack.com for information about BuzzBeat Plus, where you can get ad-free episodes, which is my favorite perk, but also you get early access to episodes, sometimes hours and days. This specific episode was released three hours prior and exclusive content. So the Hornets lost to the Pistons on Wednesday night in overtime and officially have the worst record in the league at 7-21. and 21. Detroit and Orlando, if the season ends today, would also have a 14% chance of getting the first overall pick. I hear a lot of chatter that 14% doesn't guarantee the top pick, which is true. It's not a sure thing. I get that, but it's still the highest percentage. When we're talking about relative to the others, it's still the highest percentage. I feel like sometimes people think that if you are, say, the eighth worst team that they've somehow leveled the odds so much that they have a 10% chance of getting the top overall pick. Yes, they've leveled the odds and that's the case, but we still have to remember if Charlotte finishes in the bottom three in the NBA, they have a 14% chance, which is the highest out of any you know team not in the bottom three. They're going to likely finish with the top four pick if they get in that bottom three spot. And they won't fall below fifth if they have the worst record in the league. So I'm sure with Clifford as the head coach, it's it's not going to be hard to purposely get to that point. And he was visibly upset at the defense, and rightfully so, following the Hornets' loss to the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday night. And he's probably just going to play competitively and see where the chips fall. Hornets did get some... Promising news regarding Gordon Hayward's health and his shoulder. He's been upgraded to questionable for tonight's game against the Hawks. He obviously won't solve the issues on the defensive end. There are two players 
still injured that I think will probably have the biggest impact on their return when it comes to that end of the court and maybe making Clifford feel a little bit better about that end with Dennis Smith Jr. and Cody Martin. Again, there's a lot of issues on the back end. So just having a point of attack defender like Dennis Smith Jr. or Cody Martin uh, being a defender as well, you know, there, there are five pieces on the court and they've all got to work together uh, for them to be a solid defensive unit. So they will not solve everything when they do come back. But without further ado, I do want to get into my interview today with Lauren Hoffman. She was the sideline reporter for Valley Sports that filled in for a few games. We had a chance to talk about her upbringing, how she got interested in the field that she works in now. She talked a little bit about local sports news stations versus the big companies like ESPN and Turner Sports and how those differ. She's currently working for the Baltimore Orioles, and I talked about her job there and how interesting Camden Yards is. And we also talk about how she got the gig with the Hornets and um, pretty interesting story there in terms of how she was able to fill in for Ashley Shamini. So we will get to all of that on my interview. So let's go ahead and jump in. Joining me today on the podcast is Lauren Hoffman. Lauren filled in for Ashley Shamini several times this season as a sideline reporter for Bally Sports. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. How's everything going on your end? Yeah, thanks for having me. Everything is all good. Um, I actually just filled in on a Hawks broadcast last night too, so this is great timing. (laughs) That is true. They do have an upcoming game between the Hornets and the Hawks. Before we get into this, I want to get this out of the way because I was doing some research, and I know that you aren't from Georgia, but you you were a lacrosse athlete at Kennesaw State University. Ashley's hometown is in Kennesaw, Georgia. Did you and she have any kind of connection prior to the season or is this just a coincidence? No, there wasn't. Um, Unfortunately not. But we definitely talked about that. And when, you know, she is just the kindest, sweetest human ever. So when we talked before I was filling in for her, we realized how many different little connections kind of like that that we had. And it was really cool. And with any guest that joins our show for the first time, I'd love to get to know more about them and how they got to this point in their career. Let's go back to your school days, middle school, high school days. Was this a career path that was ever in your mind or did you have something completely else uh, when you were younger? So growing up, like I'm sure everybody says this, but I was that little kid who was setting up a camera in their parents' living room and talking and it wasn't sports though. I was doing like weather. I would hold, you know, the little magazines that and read from those. But I always knew I wanted to do something in front of the camera. At first, I thought it was going to be news. Um, I was, I did the morning announcements at my high school. We didn't have any crazy thing where it was on camera, but just I was doing that with my voice. Um, I was writing occasionally for my high school's website with some sports stuff, just because that was kind of the most accessible thing for me. And then even my freshman year at Kennesaw, I didn't really know that I wanted it to be sports. But as I was an athlete at Kennesaw, I I had an in with the athletic department and I got to brag on Kennesaw just because I think the opportunities that they have for anyone who wants to go into sports specifically is absolutely incredible. I was able to start doing sidelines for our men's and women's basketball teams and with football. And I was hosting a digital show. So it really took off after my sophomore year. I was having so many opportunities. It was awesome. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so you did a lot of on-the-field, on-the-court content at Kennesaw State. But after that, you worked at ESPN, Turner Sports, and then a local news station. You don't need to tell me if you liked working with local sports or sports on a national stage like Turner, but can you give me like a pros and cons list of working for a company like Turner Sports versus working out with a local news station as you did in Mississippi? Yeah, so I'll give you some background too to you know my position at Turner. It was behind the scenes and the idea there was to get my foot in the door and then you know, make it on NBA TV, sit at the desk on TNT with the guys or something like that. And as I got there, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not just going to be able to go up and do that. Like my little reel from Kennesaw isn't going to get me there, but that experience was just so incredible in itself. I mean, it's the best of the best. So that was just so cool. And that kind of made me make the decision to go into local news just because you need to get those kind of reps if you ever want to be on that sort of stage. But there is something special about local news where, you know, when you're out at the grocery store, it's, it's just the communities are so small. So I know, you know, I'm sure when Chuck's at the grocery store, people are stopping him and saying, hey, and stuff. But it's just different when it's really like a high school football game. And like, oh, like you said, my name's my, my son's name wrong. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll get it, you know, right the next time. But just stuff like that, where you really feel like you're ingrained into the community is super duper special and something that is specific to local news. And I'm sure you knew this too. But did you know that Ashley also worked for a local station in Mississippi as well. Yeah, that was wild as well. So she, I think, was in Meridian her first time around. 
and then Jackson. And it's funny because I kind of think we look alike. And when I say that, I mean, just like dark hair. She's a lot taller than I am, but um, I would get called her name in Jackson, just because there's such a turnaround with the, you know, talent there that you're there for a year and a half, two years tops, and then you're on to the next place. So I definitely got called Ashley a few times. So I was, I was very aware of her kind of before I, yeah, before Bally was even in my picture, I always admired her, thought she was incredible and thought it was cool how she made the jump from Jackson to what was Fox Sports Atlanta. And it kind of made me feel like, okay, like I could do that too. Now you currently hold a job with the Baltimore Orioles as an in-game host. I know this might seem like a, a silly question, but how does that differ from say being a sideline reporter? Yeah. So in game hosting, you're there to pump up the crowd, get everybody excited. And what not a lot of people realize is that you, well, you realize it. you're on the jumbotron, you're talking in front of everybody, but there's this awful kickback where it's like a second and a half delayed. So you're talking and then hearing yourself, what you just said a couple seconds off. It's miserable. It is just terrible. You never fully get used to it. That to me is one of the biggest difference um, between in-game hosting and television and, you know, in-game hosting, you're doing the dance cam, you're talking to fans and obviously reporting, you're talking about the game. And I tried to mold that in-game host job as much of a reporter as I possibly could, just because I had that experience. I didn't want it to go to waste. And the end goal for me is always going to be to be a full-time reporter. In-game hosting's fun. I got to live at home, report on my hometown team. I love baseball. I was the first ever host for Camden Yard. So that was just really special in itself too. So it was a great experience, but um, yeah, that kickback though, that is something that always makes me laugh. And like, I'm so happy. I don't have to deal with it in the off season right now. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And I assume it was pretty cool doing it with a team that I assume you grew up watching. Oh, total full circle moment. I mean, my favorite was, you know, opening day when for the very first time I'd never really been an in-game host before. I hosted one game at the Brave Stadium when Kennesaw played a football game there a couple years ago. Um, so it was just cool being in, in that atmosphere. The place was packed and I'd all like, you know, high school classmates, family, friends. And that was the biggest thing, just looking around, seeing familiar faces and you know, kind of just feels like I made it, you know, like just the girl out of South County is what it felt like. <laughs> now, was baseball always your preference or did you not really care, just wanted to do something in sports within the sports world? I don't care. I love college football. fell in love with college football when I moved down here. Um, and I have a, a special appreciation for baseball when I got to go. I w- went to Omaha to cover Mississippi State's win. And I mean, that was just incredible. We don't even have to get into all that, but that's what made me fall in love with baseball. I wouldn't say I was the biggest baseball fan before that, which is kind of whatever, but baseball will always hold a special place in my heart with that and my job with the Orioles. Now with your job with the Orioles, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned your first year on the job? Oh man, probably that kickback. I talk, I'm going to talk about it a lot, but I know it sounds silly, but if you can get through that, you can do anything. You can tune stuff out. I mean, you've seen that Hornets desk when people are being super crazy and all of that. I feel like I'm so able to tune all of that out because, you know, at the Orioles, I was having people in the background, people jump in. You have to be ready to 
flip it and not just push them out. You know, you have to make it look natural and look good. So just how to interact with fans and when it's loud and the buzz of that, it, it made me a better reporter. Absolutely. Now, the Orioles had a very interesting season in 2022. The beginning of the season probably had a lot of fans pessimistic like they have been in the past, but they really turned it around and made a push for the playoffs with obviously the hopes of making it through the wild card round, but ultimately they did it. But, you know, just the turnaround that they had showed some promising stuff. I want to, I want you to make a case that this team will make the playoffs in 2023. I know there's plenty of time to make more acquisitions, but let's hear that case. I'm excited about it. Any time that you can exceed expectations by far in a year is absolutely incredible. And everyone in that organization is absolutely incredible. Like I've, I had the chance to travel with them to the Little League World Series game that they played in. I'm not sure if you remember, um, but just getting to be around, you know, all the top guys, all the coaches and things like that. Like everyone is just so awesome. So I know that they're absolutely in good hands and future's bright. The future is very bright in Baltimore. I'm really excited to see what they're able to do next year. And then also just the aspect of getting fans more excited. You're always going to play better when that place is packed and you could see our attendance numbers slowly rise throughout the season, especially I don't even remember if it was a 10-game winning streak, 11-game winning streak, what it ended up being. But it was such a fun year, and I know it's only going to go up from here. Yeah, and I've been to a handful of parks, ballparks around the country. And the atmosphere, I think, plays a big role. And when the team success goes along with that, I've, I've been to Camden Yards, and that's up there for me for one of the better ballparks. I will say that Tropicana Field is probably, not probably, is by far the worst one that I've been to. But I just love the aesthetics of Camden Yards. I love the warehouse and right field and just the overall aesthetics of the place. It's a good time. So when the winning comes, I'm sure that place will fill out and uh, it will be a good atmosphere. Yeah, and it just gives people some hope because for so long it's the same story. Like we're building, we're building, we're getting there, we're getting there. And before anyone really expected it to, we finally started to see that. So a lot of fun. So transitioning over to the Hornets, that's why I brought you on the podcast here. How did you get the chance to fill in for those three games? When did you find out about that? Was it something that you reached out to them or they reached out to you? How was that connection made? Yeah, and I love this question because I feel like you don't always get to find out, you know, how people get these gigs and it stinks because, you know, like my, you know, my dream job, they don't, you don't, you can't just apply to it. Like there's no like application on Indeed or LinkedIn or something like that. So I had, when I was in Mississippi a year and a half ago, I connected on LinkedIn, just sent a random invite to a producer and kind of was like, hi, like my name's Lauren. This is what I'm doing. Here's my reel. I would love to just learn more about Bali because I always knew Bali was where I wanted to be. I love Atlanta. Um, and just, you know, I was always seeing at the Braves games and that I just knew like just something about Fox sports for it was ballet. It just felt right for me. It was just something I was always working toward. Um, so I connected with him, nothing came about it for over a year, but it was just great to have that connection there. And I would send him my reel from time to time and gave me great feedback and just a, just a great guy. Um, great person in the industry to look up to. While I was in Mississippi, I was working part-time for Turner still 
just remotely, just helping out with non-timely things just to help make ends meet. They're, they don't pay the best in local news. So I was working a little bit part-time for them when I would get off work or before work. And I had a new supervisor come on while I was working there and she came from Bali. So, you know, we're talking and she's asked me about my career goals and whatnot. And I made it known to her that I really wanted to be a reporter. And it was exciting because I was, I was just like, oh, like this is meant to be. Like, I can't believe like she came from the place that I want to work for. So we worked together for a year. And then Jeff, um, Bally Sports South's GM, put a call out on LinkedIn that was just like, hey, like we're always looking for new talent. Like I literally remember see, she sent it to me. I like, stopped in my tracks. At the time I was working on my Orioles reel, hurried up and finished that. And then she connected me with a couple different producers, just, you know, here's Lauren. And they responded and wanted me to, they called it an introduction call, which I thought was just going to be, hi, nice to meet you. You know, just learn a little bit about me. It ended up being a full-blown interview, which I totally was not prepared for. But they told me like, here's the deal. We need someone to fill in for three games. Ashley's got this CBS football gig. Um, so I was like, okay, put on my interview pants and did it. And, you know, I didn't know, how, I thought I crushed it, but I was just kind of like, oh, like I've never done anything like that before. So like, I don't know if they'll choose me. Like they, there might be someone with more experience, but week and a half later, they're like, you're free on November 16th, November 30th and December 2nd. I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so I think I talked to you about this prior to the recording, but are there any future plans for you to do upcoming games or are you finished now for the Hornets on Bally? Yes, I'm finished for right now. I'm not sure of anything. I mean, Ashley's career is really taking off. So who knows what if she's going to need like a fill-in here or there or anything like that. But that's it for now. But on Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday afternoon, I got a random call. They're like, so are you free Wednesday? I'm like, I can be. Like, we need someone to host Hawks Live. And I'm like, sure. So I ran home, did all my prep, and that was fun. But yeah, so I, you know, I'm just kind of waiting for opportunities and maybe something full time will open up yeah. somewhere with Valley. They cover a lot of teams. So we'll see. But that was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. So you're just flying all over the place then. Yeah. <laughs> so are you based out of Maryland? Like, is that where you're staying right now? Is that where you're based I, out of? For the off season, my boyfriend lives here. So we're spending some time together and, I love Georgia. So going back and forth, but I fly back to Maryland on Monday for Christmas. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, yeah. So I'm sure you know this, but Hornets community loves Eric Collins. They love Del Curry. I know it was only for a few games, but number one, how was working with them like? And number two, do you have any funny stories that you can share about those two? So yes, I think they're the very, very best. I'm telling you, I cannot listen to a game. Because I'm like, well, where's Eric? Like, I want Eric Collins. Like, I don't want to listen to this guy. No, but in all seriousness, they're incredible what they do. They could not have been nicer. Um, it and, and I know it was only three games, but I felt super comfortable with them just off the bat. Like, they, they're just awesome. It's such a family over there. That was something Ashley definitely told me about. She's like, this is just one of the best groups that you'll ever work with. And I can say the same about the Hawks crew, too. Sorry, I know this is a Hornets podcast, yeah. but. I just can't, there's not enough nice things to say about Bally and the crew they have over there. Um, probably, I don't really have any stories about uh, Dell and Eric, but before my first game, I'm in the hotel calling my Uber and I'm spraying perfume literally right into my eyes. Like, I'm telling you, like, 
right into my eyes and kind of panicking, like, you know, I'm in the Uber, like fanning my eye out the window and stuff, but Eric Collins had the eye drops. So he's like Mr. Reliable. And that was kind of our little joke. And I ended up keeping them on accident, but just slid them across the table to him next time I saw him. So we were texting and he was, I was asking him for some feedback and he's like, and oh yeah, don't spray perfume in your eyes. I'm like, I'll try. All right. Before we get out of here, I want to play a quick round of random Baltimore Orioles trivia. No. Oh my gosh. I'm terrible on the spot. I'm sorry, but, uh, Let's try to end with this, something fun here. I've done this before with uh, Ashley, and I think I stumped her on the country trivia. She actually works for CMT, and I made those questions a little bit too hard, but probably my favorite one was I did a game at the end where I did Eric Collins quotes where I bleeped out a word, and she had to guess the word that went in with some of his more famous sayings. That is so fun. Yes, it was. And so what we're going to do here is five rounds five questions and my hope is that you get three i will say that a couple of them are multiple choice multiple choice i can work with multiple choice well well some of them are not all not all (laughs) if i get all of them wrong you're cutting this out yeah we will act like it never never happened so first question how many world series have the orioles won two three four or five world series three very good. Very good. One for one. See, I could have, that was the one I didn't need to be a multiple choice because I knew that one. <laughs> well, this is, uh, there's only one more multiple choice. And this second question is the one. And it actually has a Charlotte connection. And Cal Ripken actually played for this minor league team. The Baltimore Orioles had a double A farm team in Charlotte from 1976 to 1989. This club would eventually just rebrand to the Charlotte Knights, which we know them today in downtown Charlotte. But what was the name of this minor league team before it was rebranded? Charlotte Lookouts, Charlotte O's, Charlotte Brown Stockings, or Charlotte Hornets? I want to go Lookouts. I, I that It just sounds familiar, so there might be a team already called that, but I don't know. I want to say Lookouts. It's actually the Charlotte O's, which is just short for the Charlotte Orioles, by the way. That's cool, though. I like that. I learned something today. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so one for two at this point. Number three, what is the name of the warehouse in the right field of Camden Yards? I believe it has a specific name. The warehouse. Wait, I'll think about it. (laughs) I think there's an actual name. No way. That's that's really embarrassing. I thought it was just we just called it the warehouse. Now maybe this isn't as publicized as I thought it was, but the answer is they call it the B and O warehouse. Does that ring a bell at all? The B and O warehouse for you? B and O, B and O, B and O. And from what I've gathered, the B stands for Baltimore and the O stands for Ohio. I'm not sure. I think it was some kind of like train warehouse station where it would connect the two. I'm not sure. Something weird like that, but that's, I'm going to, I'm going to call my boss about that and be like, Hey, I just got stumped on some trivia. <laughs> and, and if I'm wrong, let me know. If I'm wrong, let me know. I don't think you are, but okay. interesting. No, it's, I like it. Okay. So we've got two more. What are you one for three so far? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I got my one right though. That was the one I should have known. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a big TV watcher at all? Not really. 
But I, when we watch Netflix, I don't watch a lot of live TV. Right, right. So the only reason I ask is this next question is more of a TV show question than it is a Orioles trivia question. It is a show that is based in Baltimore, so that should be a little bit of a hint. And there was an episode that was filmed when two of the characters, Detective Jimmy McNulty and Bunk Moreland, maybe those characters ring a bell, they took their kids to an Orioles game in Camden Yard. Name that show. Uh -uh. So it's detectives based out of Baltimore, The Wire. Does that ring a bell? Oh, The The Wire. The Wire. I was going to that's the only detective show I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, man. Sometimes I think I make these questions a little bit too hard. Wow. No, I like it, I, but I feel like I'm definitely more of like, a, oh, wow, that's so cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last one before we get out of here. The most famous Baltimore Oriole, Cal Ripken, known for his most consecutive games played. He did that. Uh, he passed a famous New York Yankee when he did that. Can you name that baseball player? Mm. All right, the answer, <laughs> Lou Gehrig. I feel bad. Do we do we need to cut this segment out so nobody knows about this? No, I, I'm proud of my one. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because you walk, you know, you're you walk everywhere in the right. stadium. You're always walking past the trophies and things like that, and just the graphics of the years and stuff. But like, I'm having a total brain fart on the years right now. When like, it was definitely something I made a point to know throughout the season because we celebrate our 30th anniversary. I probably should have thrown that in there um, earlier in the show, but so it was especially with you know coming into the season, we were like, okay, we got it. We got to spice something up. So it was just kind of easy. Like we're going to celebrate how great we were the last 30 years. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap here, Lauren. This was fun. I appreciate your time and taking the time to join me on the podcast, and I'm sure our listeners are going to love this episode. Thank you so much. And your podcast, I have to tell you, was definitely one that I kept in my rotation when oh. I was preparing for all my Hornets games. So thank you. Wow. Well, thank you. I appreciate you keeping uh, in touch with the Hornets by listening to our podcast. And as we wrap here, I, I would suggest that everyone does the same for us. So thanks again for joining us today for another episode. We appreciate the support. For Lauren, I am Richie. We will talk to you guys later. Go Hornets.